Chapter Four of Beautiful Birds. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jennifer Painter. Beautiful Birds by Edmund Sellers. Chapter Four: The Red Bird of Paradise. Then. There is another very beautiful bird of paradise, which is called the red bird of paradise. It is no use trying to find out whether he, or the one I have just been telling you about, is the most beautiful, because if somebody were to think that one were, somebody else would be sure to have a different opinion. But now I will tell you what this red bird of paradise is like, and then you will know how beautiful to think them. You know those lovely plumes that I told you about, that the great bird of paradise has growing from both his sides under the wings, and how he lifts up his wings and shoots them right up into the air, so that they fall all over him, like two most beautiful fountains that meet in the air and mingle their waters together. Now the red bird of paradise has those plumes, those feather fountains, too and he can shoot them up into the air and let them fall all over him and look out from amongst them as they bend and wave and think how lovely i am just the same as the great bird of paradise can they are not so long it is true but then they are very thick and of a most glorious crimson colour such a colour as you see sometimes in the western sky when the sun is flushing it just before he sinks down for the night. People talk about a sky like that and call it a glorious sunset when they see it in Switzerland. One can see it here too, if one likes, but it is not usual to talk about it or even to look at it, unless one is in Switzerland. Your mother will tell you the reason of this. Fancy a bird that looks out of a crimson sunset of feathers crimson but with beautiful white tips to them crimson and white that is almost more splendid than orange gold and mauvey brown unless you like orange gold and mauvey brown better it is all a matter of taste but there is another thing that the red bird of paradise has which the great bird of paradise has not got at all he has two little crests of feathers, beautiful metallic green feathers, on his forehead. Just fancy, not one crest merely, but two. One talks about a feather in one's cap, which, of course, a bird may have without it being wrong. But what is a feather in one's cap compared to two crests of feathers on one's forehead? and such crests and besides his crimson sunset plumes with their white tips and the two little lovely green crests on his forehead this bird has two wonderful feathers in his tail they are not feathers at all really that is to say the soft part of them on each side of the quill which we call the web is gone and there is only the quill left but it is such a funny sort of quill 
that you would never think it was one. It is flat and smooth and shiny and quite a quarter of an inch wide. In fact, it looks like a ribbon, a beautiful black glossy ribbon, 22 inches, which is almost two feet long. These two wonderful ribbons, I told you there were two, hang down in graceful curves as the bird sits on the branch of a tree, first a curve out, and then in, and then out again, just at the tips, so that the two together make quite a pretty figure. Of course, when there is any wind at all, they float gracefully about and look very pretty indeed, and when the red bird of paradise flies, his two wonderful ribbons float in the air behind him just as if he had been into a linen draper's shop and bought something and flown out again with it in his tail. And yet, to make these two pretty ribbons, which are feathers really, though they do not look like them, the soft part of the feather, which is usually the pretty part, has been taken away, and only the quill, which is usually almost ugly by comparison, has been left and yet they are so handsome. That is because Dame Nature is such a wonderful workwoman. She can make almost anything she tries to, out of any kind of material. Now, I must tell you that the great bird of paradise has two funny feathers like this in his tail, too. Feathers, I mean, without webs to them. Only his ones have just a little web at the beginning and again at the very tips. All the part in between has none at all. These funny feathers of the great bird of paradise are even longer than those of the red one, for they are from 24 to 34 inches long. And 34 inches, you know, is almost 3 feet. But then they are thin not broad like ribbons, and the plumes of the great bird of paradise are so long that they are a good deal hidden by them, and sometimes hardly noticed amongst such a lot of finery. I think that must be why, when I was describing the great bird of paradise to you, I forgot all about them, which of course I ought not to have done. But we all of us make mistakes sometimes people who write books just as much as people who only read them. Although, of course, people who write books ought to be more careful. In fact, a great many of the birds of paradise have these funny feathers, and some of them have more than two. If you look for page 77, you will see a picture of the king bird of paradise, who has two beauties. He is not one of the birds that I talk about in this book. There was no room for him, but that does not matter. He sent me his picture, and it will show you what these funny feathers are like. There is a bird of paradise that has twelve of them. But now I must finish talking about the red bird of paradise. I have told you about the glorious crimson plumes that he has on his sides, and the two funny feathers, like ribbons, in his tail, 
and the double crest of beautiful emerald green feathers on his forehead but of course there are other parts of him besides these and i must tell you what they are like too his head and his back and his shoulders are yellow as they are in the great bird of paradise but it is a deeper and richer yellow not the light straw-coloured yellow which he has and which is very pretty too i am sure we should never agree as to which is the prettier of these two birds his throat too is of a deep metallic green colour you know what metallic means now but those lovely green feathers go farther up in fact right over the front part of the head which is his forehead so as to make those two sweet little crests which he has and which help to make him such a very handsome bird the rest of his wings and body and his tail except the two ribbons in it are brown a nice handsome rich coffee brown his legs are blue and his beak is a fine gamboge yellow ah there is a beautiful bird indeed what would you say if you were to see a bird that was yellow and green with crimson sunset plumes and with two long glossy ribbons in his tail and two beautiful crests on his forehead with blue legs and a gamboge bill flying from tree to tree in your garden ah yes if you were to see him like that he would be more beautiful than any bird that has ever been in your garden or that has ever flown about in the woods or fields all over england for he would be alive then alive and happy but if you were to see him dead he would not be so beautiful as any of the birds in your garden no not even as the sparrows which is saying a good deal for the beauty of life would be gone out of him and that is the greatest beauty of all and even if he were in a cage unless it were a very large one with a great many trees in it he would hardly look as beautiful as a lark does when he sails and sings in the sky so however beautiful this bird is you must only want to see him flying about in the forests or gardens of his native land if ever you go there if you do not go there then you must not mind but you must try to imagine him which is almost as good as seeing him if you do it properly but you must never want to see him in a cage that is smaller than a large garden with trees in it or dead in a glass case or a hat it is better that beautiful birds should be alive and you not see them than that they should be killed or made miserable for you to look at now you may be sure that if the poor great bird of paradise is killed because he is so beautiful so is the poor red bird of paradise because he is it is dreadful to be sure of such a thing and it is all because of the wicked little demon and the goddess of pity being asleep when the wicked little demon has been driven away and the goddess of pity has been woken up and it is you who are going to wake her then you may be sure 
that no beautiful birds will be killed, and that the more beautiful they are, the less people will ever think of killing them. But that time is not come yet. It will not come till you have read this book right through and finished it. Now you remember that the great bird of paradise is shot with arrows by a naked black man with frizzly hair like a mop, a man that we call a savage, though, really, he is not nearly so savage as some men who wear clothes all over them. You see, where he lives, it is very warm, so that he does not want clothes, and he looks very much better without them, for his black, smooth skin is very handsome indeed, and so is his frizzly hair. If you saw him, you would think him a very nice, amiable person, for he is always laughing and springing about, and his white teeth do flash so, and his eyes beam, and he looks very pleasant indeed. I think you would quite like him, so you must not despise him because he is not civilised like us. Never despise people because they have a different coloured skin to your own and wear no clothes and are called savages. Perhaps we may be better than people like that. But remember that the angels are much better compared to us than we are compared to such people. But do you think the angels despise us? Oh, no, you could not think that, so you must not despise the savages. Never despise anyone, that is the best thing. Instead of doing that, try to find out what is good about them. There is sure to be something, and often it is something which they have and we have not. Never despise. Well, it is this same naked, frizzly-haired Papuan who kills the beautiful red bird of paradise as well as the great one, but he does not do it with bows and arrows, but in quite another way which I will tell you about. The birds of paradise are all fond of fruit. They like insects and things of that sort too, but fruit they are very fond of. They like a nice ripe fig, and there are so many fig trees in that country, both growing wild and in the gardens too, that when the figs are ripe, they do not trouble to finish one before they begin another but fly about from tree to tree, making a bite here and another there, out of just the ripest and nicest. That is a nice delicate way of eating figs, I think, just to take a little and leave the rest. We are so greedy that we always eat the whole fig, but then we are not birds of paradise. But now there is one particular fruit which the red bird of paradise likes better than any other, much better even than a ripe fig. It is a fruit which I do not know the name of. In fact, I am not quite sure that it has a name, except in some language which we would neither of us understand. But you know what an arum lily is, and in those forests that I told you of, there is a kind of arum lily which climbs up trees, for there are climbing lilies there as well as climbing palm trees. This climbing arum lily 
has a red fruit, and it is this red fruit which the red bird of paradise thinks so exceedingly nice. It will go anywhere to get that fruit, and the naked black man with frizzly hair knows that it will. So he makes a trap for it with the very fruit that it is so fond of. But besides the fruit, two other things are necessary for making this trap. One of them is a forked stick like the handle of a catapult, and the other is some string. The Papuan soon cuts the stick, either with a knife that he has bought of a white man, or with a sharp piece of stone or flint, and the string he makes from some creeper, or by rolling the inner bark of a tree between his hands. When he has done this, he takes the fruit and ties it to the forked stick. Then he climbs up a tree that he knows the red birds of paradise come to perch on, and ties the stick, with the fruit fastened to it, to one of the branches. To do this, he takes a very long piece of string, one end of which hangs right down to the ground, and he ties it so cleverly that he has only to pull the string for the stick with the fruit on it to come away from the branch, just as a sash that is tied in a bow will come undone when you pull one of the ends. Then the black papuum climbs down from the tree again and sits underneath it with the end of the long string in his hand, all ready to pull it when the right time comes. Sometimes it will not be long before a red bird of paradise comes to the tree. Sometimes the Papuan will have to sit there the whole day, or even for two or three days, for he is very patient and will not go away till he has done what he came to do. All savages are like that. They are ever so much more patient than civilised people who wear clothes. But whenever the poor red bird of paradise does come, he is sure to see the fruit, and then he is sure to fly to it, to eat it, and then he is sure to get caught in the string. For the string has a noose in it which gets round his legs, and the frizzly-haired man underneath, who is watching the bird of paradise all the time, just pulls the cord, and down he comes as well as the stick. You see, he cannot fly very well with the stick fastened to him, and, however much he tries to, it is no use, for the black man has only to keep pulling the string. That is how the poor red bird of paradise is caught, and as soon as he has caught him, the black frizzly-haired man kills him and skins him. I need hardly tell you that he does that, for you know in whose service he is. Then the black man takes the skin to a yellow man, who buys it of him and cheats him a little, and then the yellow man takes it to a white man, who buys it of him and cheats him more, and it all happens just the same as it did with the great bird of paradise, until the skin is lying on the floor of the warehouse, with all those other beautiful skins of poor beautiful birds, all killed to be put into the hats of women whose hearts the wicked little demon has frozen. Is it not shocking? But you know how to stop it. You have only to make your mother promise, yes, 
promise never to wear a hat that has the skin or any of the feathers of a red bird of paradise in it. Make her promise this before reading the next chapter. End of chapter 4